Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Podcast Life is Like a Box of Records podcast. My name is Helena Rafai. Occasionally, we bring in special guests to talk about the songs that have soundtracked their lives so far. For rights reasons, music might be shorter than the original song. This week's guest is Roberta Pia, also known as Bob. Roberta has always had strong roots in music. Her work in music marketing and PR with venues and festivals has made up some of her career path. She's also a DJ, party thrower and founder of Girl Crush, which has been championing women and the LGBTQ plus community since 2016. Welcome to another special guest and it's uh, Roberta Pia who is from Scotland but is currently in Bristol at the moment and um, you're, you've done so many different things within music um, so just tell us a bit about what you do now and, and what you've done over your, your kind of music career. Sure, um, so at the moment um, I run a collective um, called Girl Crush um, so that's a sort of um, we started that it started off as a kind of LGBTQ plus um, night, uh, but it's kind of slowly transformed into kind of being a platform for female identifying uh, humans um, and kind of giving them a platform with, within the music industry. Because I always found that like a lot of the lineups I was going to see were were quite heavily male dominated. So it kind of kind of became a bit a bit of a bigger beast um and so and it's run entirely by female identifying people um so yeah so I run run that we kind of do uh well we were doing regular events um in Bristol and in Edinburgh it started in Edinburgh and then when I moved to Bristol I kind of brought brought it down here with me so I run the kind of Bristol events and then we've got uh, Vicky who runs them up in Edinburgh um and since we're not doing events at the moment I'm trying to think about different things that we can do uh kind of online and stuff like that um so yeah wrong girl crush and uh I also do kind of solo music stuff um I used to play in a band called the banana sessions which is where it all kind of like began and now I kind of do a lot of solo stuff I do a lot of DJing as well um and uh what else I started a band down here in Bristol as well sort of like folky folky outfit um so yeah and um I'm trying to think of what else I've done like loads of nights and stuff over the years like um in various different guises so uh yeah so I'd say the main thing's kind of like putting on parties and and making music um myself yeah and trying to like promote promote other people's music alongside all that yeah I've been obviously aware of the, the different projects you've done and we'll we'll talk about them a bit more over the course of this podcast but um the fame of of life is like a box of records is that I've asked you to pick 
tracks that have soundtracked your life so far. Um, and also we've recently added a new spin by asking people to pick a film soundtrack or song or something from an official soundtrack that kind of really stands out for them. Um, so we're going to start going through your picks and uh, your film pick is the first on the list. And it's um, it's a world famous uh, theme from Jurassic Park by John Williams. Um, so, and it's it's an absolutely stunning piece of music on its own, with even without the film. So, what is it about this that stands out so much for you? So, as you say, it's a totally stunning piece of music. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's special to me because uh, so Jurassic Park was the first film that I saw in the cinema, and I remember my my mum telling me that like she didn't really want me to go and see it because I think I was like a little bit I was a little bit too young I think at the time but I was determined that I really wanted to see it because I really liked dinosaurs so I was like I'm going to see it like regardless you know so I remember going to see it and um I just was so like terrified the whole way through <laughs> like to this day I still watch it and I still like I don't know how many times I've seen that film now still terrifies me <laughs> and um I remember like afterwards I was just so so scared and like but I kept having these like mad dreams for for months afterwards about um these like big uh like friendly looking dinosaurs like wearing like caps like backward caps and like in my dreams they were like you know amazing and like big friendly things um and in in reality I was like I'd actually started sleepwalking from like from I guess because I was like a bit scared by it um so like while I was having all these like fantastical dreams about dinosaurs I was actually like kind of sleepwalking a lot and waking up and like freaking my family out basically <laughs> so like so it's it's an important film for me because I just it really stuck with me like and I I, I like I just love it so much everything about it and like you know, obviously it's now become a total cult classic. Um, and it's just one of these songs, like I always kind of, it was the first kind of, you know, film soundtrack that I that I fell in love with. Um, but also now, like I always play it at like the end of my DJ sets and stuff like that, you know, and it's like, it's just always oh, one wow. of these like beautiful uniting songs that like, <laughs> I guess a certain age group of people just like really connect to, you know. Um so yeah, I did like a I do like a lot of nineties parties and obviously that's like a big nineties cult classic. So it was like my last song when I brought in uh twenty twenty. I was like DJing on New Year's Eve and uh that was the last tune and it was just this like beautiful moment at the end of the night of everybody like singing along like I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's an important song in my life. And you know, John Williams is obviously like a musical genius. Um so yeah, that's 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 why I love that so much. And I want to talk more about your family because you 
come across as such a, a kind of tight knit unit, but you also seem to have such fantastic fun. Um, ha- how many siblings do you have? I have two siblings. So one, one older sister, uh, Camilla, um, and a younger sister called Sophie. Yeah. And so is it fair to say that you're, well, is how much of an inspiration is your family to you, would you say? Oh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, we're re- we're really tight and yeah, they're really, really funny. Um, so yeah, we always like, we just always have a laugh and they're, they're all really into their, like really massively into music and, you know, like my... Like, I don't know, my 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 mum like absolutely loves jazz music um and got me into jazz music like really young. Um so you know, I was listening to like Billy Holiday and all that kind of stuff from like quite a young age. And so yeah, they've had quite a big impact on me um musically and you know, and just because they're really supportive of of like everything that me and my sisters do, you know, they're kind of like quite encouraging of like us, you know, um in all the paths that we've chosen kind of thing so yeah so they're, they're a good bunch yeah I, I love my family they're great. <laughs> want to next move on to your next pick which is Fuji's Killing Me Softly with his song and I remember this coming out and buying this album and just i wearing it out because of uh, just overplaying. Um, why when did this appear in your life and again why was it so significant? So I th- it stemmed from um, Sister Act 2, obviously. So I, I watched that <laughs> film first, which is a, a brilliant film again. Um, and like Lauren Hill's obviously in that film. And I just was like completely besotted with her. I thought she was just like the coolest person ever. Um, and I'd never, I don't think I'd heard a woman rapping before. And so like when I heard her, I was just like completely just like obsessed I just thought she was like amazing So that kind of got me, like, led me to the Fugees. Um, and I think that was, like, one of the... That's definitely one of the first albums that I bought that, like, really had quite a big impact on me. Um, because she's an amazing singer and I was and I was really into singing. Um, but, like, just, yeah, amazing. Like, all of her kind of writing is really beautiful. Um, and, yeah, just hearing a woman rap, I just thought it was it was great and I was quite into that got me quite into like a lot of hip-hop music like Mm -hmm. I remember listening like I would just sit in the back of like my mum and dad's car and I'd like just be like (laughs) sitting in the back of my headphones and like just rapping along to like everything so I was listening to loads of like Eminem and like Little Kim both of whom are like really offensive and like definitely not for for kids you know (laughs) but I was just sitting in the back just like rapping along to everything so I got really into like hip-hop music but um yeah I just like the Fugees were just like quite an extraordinary band you know just because they're to this day, you know, it still stands up as like one of the, the best albums of all time. Um, and that song, uh, I think kind of, I just listened to the sort of Roberta Flack version of it as well. Um, but I had this like, just like total love for Lauren Hill. And that's, so I kind of just listened to that song obsessively for ages. And then that ended up being the first 
song that I ever sang in public. So I'd I'd been kind of getting singing lessons at the same time and and kind of getting more and more into singing. And uh, that was like the first thing that I ever sang in front of people. Um, so I think it was, there's a place called Henry's in Edinburgh, Henry's Cellar mm-hmm. Bar. And back in the day, it was like a jazz bar. And my mum kind of knew uh, a guy that ran a night there. So I think there was one night, so I must have been like 16. So I was, I was underage. I definitely like shouldn't have been in there, but they managed to sneak me in and let me sing a song. And I, I sang Killing Me Softly. And I, I just did that one song and then left. But I remember just being like the most nervous I've ever been and just like singing this song. But it was such a like pivotal moment for me because it was like, you know, my 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 first time performing and in front of like a room of people. Um, and I just, you know, like I was so nervous, but I just totally like fell in love with that that feeling, you know, and then obviously that's that spurred me on to ca- to carry on doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like growing up in Edinburgh? Mm, it was good. Yeah. I mean, you know, Edinburgh is a really beautiful place. Um, yeah, I love growing up in Edinburgh. Like I, I've got a bit of a kind of, I suppose like a love-hate relationship with it because I, I get annoyed at the way that the a lot of the creative side of it can be suppressed sometimes and it's, you know, um, a lot of the focus is on, you know, the, the fringe and, and all that and a, a lot of the time I think it's quite difficult for any underground stuff to, to thrive there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, it's a beautiful place and, you know, I've I've made, you know, I've met loads of amazing people from living there and... And had loads of like amazing opportunities and and the music scene is is really really good and supportive you know but um I just think the the powers that be kind of uh c- kind of like quash that a little bit sometimes um that's just my personal opinion but uh but yeah in terms of like growing up there you know I like I had a really a, a lot of fun <laughs> growing up in Edinburgh I would say um and I still go back as much as I can I, I don't particularly want to live there anymore just because I feel like I've I don't know, grown out of it a little bit. Um, Bristol definitely feels more like home at the moment, but I, I, you know, I love Edinburgh and it's got a very special place in my heart. So, I, I, another of the albums that I heavily invested in, and it's it's the Prodigy and and Firestarter, but um, also the uh, the album that's taken from is is just you know incredible. It's obviously quite bittersweet now because of the passing of of Keith, and um, I know that that had a massive impact on you. But I think, like a, a lot of people in, that are kind of similar age to us as well, and um, so the prodigy. I know even from kind of before Keith had passed that you, uh, you know, you were really quite vocal about them, and um, you kind of reference to them quite a lot what what was it about them that really stood out and and you know and how did you cope with him you know passing as well uh I, th- I just the the reason that I f- discovered them so like I, I remember watching MTV loads we like always had MTV on um in our house and I remember seeing the Firestarter video for the first time and I just remember it totally stopping me in my tracks because I was like what is this music and like what is that guy like he just looked like so like different to anyone I'd seen you know and he like had all this like really heavy eye makeup on and he just obviously you know what he looks like in the Firestarter video just looks he's quite a striking looking guy Mm -hmm. and I was like wow like you know like obviously equally 
scared of him and like completely uh, like enthralled by him. I was like, wow. <laughs> And so, yeah, I just got really, I watched that video like so many times and I was like, who, who is that guy? And, and then I just got really, really into uh, that. Like, I'm really, I love electronic music. You know, that, that was kind of like when I started DJing, like I was doing mostly like electronic stuff. So the Prodigy was like my sort of um, gateway into that, that style of music. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, they were just such a, they're, like such an amazing band that there's no there's no other band like them really um who kind of fuse that like you know punk with like electronic and yeah they're just magic and um yeah and so I, I kind of I was really really into them I remember I've seen them like so many times live um I remember like I had a, one of my my favorite moments today it was that I was uh, at Tea in the Park for the first time which my, my, was my first ever festival in 2005 and the prodigy were playing and I was like this is my big moment like I'm going to see the prodigy I'm like really really excited and um we when we got there we ended up um a friend of mine ended up passing out just like as the band started and so we were like you know we had to kind of take her off to the hospital and we we got taken away with her and um thankfully she was okay and it was all fine but we were up in this hospital and and like we were we kind of missed the prodigy gig you know and I was like oh, gutted you know <laughs> like like I'm glad my friend's okay but I'm also absolutely gutted because I think that was the, one of the only reasons I was at Teen the Park and um the someone like took us uh they were like you know your friend's totally fine but like there's no point in you waiting around so we're going to take you back down to the campsite so they took us back and they kind of took us like a back route um and we ended up walking through Artist Village and I was like, I think it was like the end of the festival. So they had all the like big fireworks and stuff like that at the end. And I remember just looking up at the sky and being like, wow, like all the fireworks. And then I just kind of turned around because this car sort of like pulled up next to me. And I I looked over my shoulder and like the windows were down and Keith Flint was just like sitting in the back of the car, <gasps> like Keith Flint and Maxim. And I just like stared in the window and I went, all right, prod, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> screaming in the window <laughs> and they just looked at me and he went all right <laughs> and then the women who'd been like escorting us down just like pulled me away from the car and I just turned around to my best mate and I was like oh my like that was Keith Flint she was like I know and I was like and I said all right prod how's it going <laughs> she was like I know <laughs> and then, you know later on I was like oh my god like of all the things that I could have said she was like I think there was nothing better that you could have said in that situation it's totally fine um but yeah so that was um uh yeah magic moment uh but yeah just you know he was he was such a kind of amazing like force of energy like such an amazing performer and mm -hmm. he was such a it was funny because he's, he's I think he was like quite a gentle soul really and like but he just had this like you know enormous like energy on stage that was quite like I suppose like abrasive in a way you know but like he was just such a yeah quite a special guy I think and so when I found out he died I was like I mean you feel sad when these things happen it's not like I know him you know but like you, f yeah. you feel like you do know them because like if you followed somebody that like your whole life and like all of their musical career um and I just felt, just it was just such a sad, it's sad to think that he was kind of suffering from mental health issues, 
you know, because because that you would I suppose you would never have thought it really, you know, and Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was just that horrible moment of of feeling like someone that you really admire has been struggling um, and 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 yeah, and then and then just that feeling of being like, I'm never going to see a prodigy gig again. And, you know, and and like when I think back to all of the prodigy gigs, every one of them has been like really special in its own way and like you know they just always put on an amazing show and it was sad to think like I'll never experience that sort of like adrenaline rush again and with that music um so yeah uh yeah I I absolutely love the prodigy like definitely like my favorite band of all time and I I want to obviously kind of talk about mental health with regards to yourself as well because um you and I had done this um kind of short video for BBC The Social with um, a couple of other people just talking about, uh, you know, mental health at festivals and and tips and so on. Um, But you've had your own struggles as well. Um, When when did you kind of first realise that you were having issues with mental health? Um, I think it became quite um, more apparent in sort of, I guess I would have been like, 29 so it's like quite late on and I think I'd always been sort of like had a lot of distractions around me and I'd never really like tapped into like maybe that I was like struggling with my mental health a little bit because I'd always been like surrounded by loads of friends and and you know like I don't know I like I I partied loads and you know what I mean so I I kind of never really like had sat with myself and thought like maybe there's like a maybe you're struggling a little bit you know um so it was only kind of when I got a bit older and I and I actually that had this so I was in a relationship at the time um and I was living in London and I broke my ankle um I'd been away in Berlin on like a kind of uh, like a project and I broke my ankle over in Berlin. So I'd like come back to London and I was like just kind of stuck in London, basically. Um, in uh, And like I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do any of the things that I normally would do. Um, and it had quite a big impact on my like relationship at the time and, you know, just my 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 whole situation down there because I, f- I was in London and I felt really kind of like far away from from all my kind of like home comforts you know um Mm -hmm. and because I just kind of sat in this flat and like you know it it impacted so many parts of my life that all I I know I couldn't get out into London or anything you know I couldn't really like get very far so I just had to kind of sit with my own thoughts you know and it was like I think I'd just never done that before I've always been like a really busy person like on purpose like I always you know, I'll always kind of use my time to the absolute maximum and like, you know, probably is a bit of a coping mechanism, but you know, that had been like working for me. Um, and suddenly it was like, well, you can't go out and do gigs and you can't do parties and you can't go and see your friends and you can't do this because you've broken your leg. So you're just going to have to sit here. And it was like, suddenly, you know, everything was just really like in my face. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so I think I did, I started, loads of people hate this book, but I started reading The Power of Now, which my my mum had sent to me just because she knew that I was kind of like sitting um, on my own in this flat and not having a great time. And, And I read it and I think I was in a really rubbish place. So it kind of really helped me at that time. Just like, obviously, you know, it's basically just mindfulness. So like, however, there's lots of different books and 
podcasts and, and lots of different things that, that like kind of get you into that headspace. But that was what I read at the time. Um, and so I got kind of quite into like mindfulness and, and like that really helped me through that time. But like, I think because I was never aware of it, I, I kind of started to notice it more and more. Um, and realizing all the things that I'd been doing had been like coping mechanisms. Um, so yeah, so it became something that I, I hadn't really spoken about. And then I decided to like be quite open about it because I don't know, because I just feel that like it helps me to like share things with, with, it helps me to share things and like process stuff. Um, and so I think I like did one kind of like I posted about it somewhere like on Facebook just saying, you know, like about having a bit of a struggle. And it was amazing, like the outpouring of people who were like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And like and all these people who like had been going through the same things, but everyone gets so scared to kind of to bring it up and to talk about it because it's so I don't know, I guess it's quite like a raw thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just found the more that I spoke about it, it was like making it was like helping me and in turn, like helping other people um to kind of just to understand it and to like work out what you need to do to like pull yourself out of that headspace or whatever um and so yeah so now it's kind of it's not something that I'm like afraid to talk about uh, and I'm I'm really pleased that I've got to that place and you know and, and, it, and I'm glad that it's helped some other people because I think there was there was a time when I'd spoken out about it and I got in touch with like so like a lot of kind of pals from I hadn't spoken to in a long time who got in touch with me to kind of say that um because I think I'd spoken about going to counselling because I finally went to counselling after like years and years of talking about it and I did and then loads of people got in touch saying that they'd been inspired to also go to counselling and wow. you know and like having these like amazing like phone conversations with people who I hadn't spoken to for ages about their mental health and like what was happening and like what you know so like and that was amazing feeling so like I just think that uh, if you can, if you can talk about it, you know, it's it's really important too because I think there's so many people who experience it and maybe are scared to talk about it or don't know how to vocalise it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and obviously that was like the case with like Keith Flint, you know, which is like why that was really, really sad because, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just there's so many cases of that, especially I guess more so like in, in men, um you know, just that inability to like talk about stuff. And a lot of the conversations that I did have were with my male friends, you know, and that was like an amazing thing. Like, like all these kind of guys reaching out and saying like, I want to talk about this as well. And like, you know, so that was cool. Moving on, uh, Bill Withers, who again, uh, he's recently passed, but um, this song is, it just immediately fills you with such joy. Um, lovely day. And uh, again, someone that you're a massive fan of. When did you first discover Bill? And and obviously from his back catalogue, why was it this song that you picked? I think I I was listening to this. So this is like when I had my like first ever relationship. It's like my first love, my first experience of like being in love and like being in a relationship. And we just used to listen to this album every day. And I think the reason we listened to it every day was because it was the only... CD that we had at the time um, wherever we were so it's just like every morning just like put on Bill Withers and I know it's gonna be a lovely
And just, I don't know, that song, just like every time I hear it, it just reminds me of that time of like um, uh, just waking up. And it was like, it was like summer in London in like 2005 or something or six. And, and it was just like, you know, waking up and the sun like streaming through the window and just feeling like deliriously happy and in love. And I just felt like that song really just like summed up everything about that, that summer mm-hmm. for me, you know. Um, cause it's just, it's such a, it's such a simple song and it's just so, it's just lovely. Hey, <laughs> it's just a really, really nice song. So yeah, that one just stuck out for me. I mean, all of Bill Withers songs are, are really good, but yeah, that just kind of captured a bit of a like moment in time for me. Yeah. Um, we, we obviously have to kind of reference to, um, what's happening now. Uh, we are in the middle of uh, a kind of pandemic coronavirus is happening and, and everyone's on lockdown still. Um, how have you been coping with lockdown? And uh, I mean, how are you adapting to it creatively? Has it, has it kind of, I've spoken to a number of people who have either it's stunted them and they just have no creative juices flowing at all, or I've sp- spoken to other people and it's kind of really spurred them on. So how's it been working for you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think like everybody... I was in full-blown panic mode, uh, maybe like the first week or two. Um, I'd been like away in New York just before this all kicked off. Um, so I was really like, ha- like high on life. I was like, you know, and I, and I basically like was having a brilliant time. And then as soon as we got on the plane to come home, just everything sort of like crumbled, you know, and it was like suddenly like, mm. this is something that you really actually should be worrying about and like you know we went into it was just from that point onwards everything happened quite quickly um and so yeah I think the first week or two I was waking up every day feeling really anxious like in a complete like just immersed with like dread you know I just was like I don't know how I'm gonna cope um just that because it was first the prospect of like having no gigs or events and then it kind of you know, it got more and more like, oh, actually, you're going to not be able to do this and now you have to stay in the house. And so it just, you know, and it was kind of listening to the news updates every day, which is never, you know, I tend to not really listen to the news much, but obviously you're like wondering what's going on. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like forced into that in a way. And then obviously everybody collectively is trying to process all this information at the same time. And so there was no kind of stable grounding anywhere. You know, like sometimes if you're feeling anxious, you could like phone someone up and be like, I'm anxious and they'll be like, talk you down a little bit. But obviously everybody's feeling the same thing at the same time. So there was, I just felt like there was no anchoring anywhere. Um, And so every day I'd be like, you know, wake up feeling really anxious, then have to like rationalise it all. And, And then by the end of the day, I'd feel fine. But it took an entire day to like, you know, get myself into an all right headspace. And then I'd feel all right. And then I'd wake up the next day and it would be like the same, same like cycle. And then I think after two weeks, I just, it just kind of became like, just like acceptance you know just like okay like actually you there's nothing you can do about this like it's out of your control you just need to like do what you're told kind of thing just like stay in the house and like keep other people safe and yourself and like just adjust around all this so for me like and I I I don't I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to like be productive and be creative at the moment because so many people are being but I think like 
you know, that shouldn't be the case. I think, like, it's totally normal that some people are going to feel like they want to create stuff and some people just want to sit and not do anything and, like, both of them are totally valid. Uh, personally, like, I just went into, like I always do, <laughs> with, like, I had to just go into overdrive and just do something with my time and, like, keep myself busy. So, like, I started doing, kind of getting quite more into doing my DJing stuff so I'd never learned how to like record my mixes before so I was like right I'm going to start with that so I learned how to record my mixes and then started kind of putting those up online and then doing like uh I was doing like a Sunday fun day sesh every like Sunday evening just to kind of like shake off the week you know and so like I would just get live on Instagram and just like do a big 90s rave from my bedroom which I've like sculpted into a rave cave um it's amazing it's been so much fun (laughs) yeah so it's just to kind of keep me entertained but also to try and like lift people's spirits you know and like there's been I've just been really I mean I know it's like a really terrifying time and it's you know nobody really knows anything but I've been genuinely like overwhelmed by like the amount of stuff that people have just been putting out to kind of you know for those that can and they've been been putting stuff out to kind of keep people happy which I think is like really amazing you know um and I kind of feel you know like we don't really know how long we're going to be in this for and I Mm -hmm. um I reckon it'll it'll come in waves you know so like the people that initially were putting out all that stuff you know that it's hard to kind of maintain that that energy isn't it like for however long so I assume at some point that might dip and then other people might have a, a moment of feeling creative and then start to put stuff out so I think like you know uh if you are feeling up to it I think it's like for me it's been like a real I feel like being creative has been like a real helpful thing to have at this time um and I've just worked out how to do all the stuff I was doing like I've been doing loads of online gigs like singing as well and uh I did like a thing um for a a campaign called like live for love or live for love or life for love Uh, but basically just like doing online gigs and raising money for like UK food banks so just trying to do stuff that like makes me feel like I've got a bit of a purpose you know what I mean yeah. and whilst like helping um and and trying to support like artists and stuff you know trying because I'm still I, I still have like a, a job like I um, weirdly started a new job as lockdown went and it came in to came into play um so I've been weird like started a job and just been working from home which has been a bit odd but because I'm still earning a little bit of money I'm just trying to like support other artists where I can like buying their music or buying their art or whatever you know so yeah so I don't know I suppose just like trying to do what I would normally do but just turning it into like a digital thing or something I can do from the house yeah um your your next pick uh, is Hammond's song um and again what what significance does this have for you um so this song, like, the first time I heard it, I was, I used to sing with a group called the Bevy Sisters. Um, we were like a sort of three-part harmony group um, who did sort of like old kind of like jazzy and roots stuff. And so we were like on tour at the time and it was my first experience of like a kind of proper tour, like kind of, I don't know, I toured a wee bit with the Banana Sessions, but this kind of felt like they were doing kind of quite good gigs and you know playing like quite it was my, just my first experience of like a kind of it felt like a more professional tour than the ones I'd done before like Banana Sessions one had been a bit like slapdash because they'd just been done by me um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah we we were on tour and 
I just I think we were like in Stornoway or something and we were sat in this like in this venue just having some food before we played and this song came on and I remember like Heather that was in the band just saying I think she told me a bit of a backstory about the song and and said it like it, she just told me how much she loved it basically and I remember like us all just going totally silent and like listening to this song And I don't know, it was just such a like, I just remember it all the time because it was just like such, it's such a beautiful song and it's like, I've not heard another song like it in my life and it just really stuck with me and it's like, it's one of these tunes that like nobody really knows who the Roaches are, like I look a lot of people yeah. haven't really heard of them and so I'm always like, oh brilliant and like I get this moment where I like want to play them the Hammond song and every time I've played it, like the same thing has happened, like everyone just goes like silent <laughs> It's like, I don't know what it is about it. It's just so, so beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just like, it's just that moment of like a song just shutting everybody up and kind of just taking you away for a minute. And it was just, it's just always stuck with me. Um, and it's it's like definitely like one of my absolute favourite songs of all time. It's just amazing. Like has re a really like massive effect on me every time I hear it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's quite quite like a, a simple reason but yeah it just reminds me we've been on tour but just like that like the impact that music can have on a group of people you know like um individually and like as a group you know so um if someone was to ask me to uh pick a soundtrack for their personality when it comes to you the next song would definitely probably be that which is young hearts run free by candy Staten, and um it's it's again it's just like such an amazing song that immediately just fills you with so much happiness um is this one that you put into your dj sets quite a lot do you know what i don't play it that much I, and i don't know why because like i love it so much it's such a amazing happy song um but yeah, I mean, the reason it was stuck out to me was because it was, uh, I went through like a horrible breakup, like my, my biggest breakup to date. Mm -hmm. And I was really, really sad. And it was, and I turned 30, like about a week later. So it was quite like an intense, like <laughs> wave of emotions of feeling like, you know, like I thought I'd like found the one and I thought, you know, that was me sorted. And then it was like, you know, rug pulled out from underneath me. Um, and then it was like, now you're 30. And it was just like, there was just like a lot going on. Uh, but I remember like uh, listening to this song like loads at the time. And just because it's the, the reason that I love it so much is because like there's so many songs in the world about, you know, falling in love and like why it's great to be in love. And, you know, like every, every love song is about that. But it's quite rare for there to be a song about how great it is to be single 
And I remember thinking, like, that's cool. Like, <laughs> what a way to, like, turn that around, you know? Um, and I just remember, like, when I turned 30, I'd, like, asked my friend. He was, he was like, DJing for me. We'd, like, rented out a big house and he was DJing for me. And I said, when I turn 30, can you make sure you play, like, Young Hearts Run Free? And he was like, of course. You know? And then just, like, as I turned 30, that song came on and it was just me and all my best mates just, like, dancing about having the best time ever and it just made like kind of uh um made me feel like everything was going to be okay after all I want to talk briefly about Bristol and and what what was what made you move there out of everywhere in the UK I mean it's such a I I really I think if I was to live anywhere else Bristol would be one of the places because it's just so rich in culture and the people are so sound and um there's so much going on so what was it just a chance trip down there or was it a kind of a a, you know a decision that you'd initially made before you went down um no I'd never been to Bristol before in my life um I got offered a job with uh Arcadia Spectacular who um uh, most people know them as like the big spider stage from Glastonbury um and Boomtown so they I'd kind of worked for them um at Glastonbury just like helping out with um production stuff and uh it turned out that they were looking for somebody to help out with the marketing of their first ever music festival like their like standalone music festival so like rather than them being at another they were just going to do their own weekender um and so they offered me a job and I just was like I just saw this like amazing opportunity and was like I'm just gonna go for it <laughs> like despite having never been to Bristol before so I, I came down one weekend for my interview um and like spent you know a day wandering about and then was like right cool I'm gonna move to Bristol <laughs> so I just went for it and it was just funny the way it worked out because I I was basically I, I moved on on site with them so they they have like a well they, this doesn't exist anymore but they had like a little sort of porter cabin office that was next to um a kind of like a bunch of caravans and then like like a lot of the staff just like lived there uh, so it's just in this like tiny little site like in the in the center of Bristol um so I ended up just living in this caravan I bought, bought a caravan for like 300 quid or something <laughs> moved into it and then worked wow. in this little porta cabin next to my caravan for like six months and it was like you know it was such a when I think back on it now actually it was quite like a wild move because you know it was pretty precarious I suppose <laughs> but like I just kind of wanted to just kind of go and give it a go like just take a big run and jump and I think like a lot of it was because I, I moved to London like um a few years before that and I I think I hadn't really taken all of the like I hadn't said yes to all the opportunities that came my way I think because I was in a relationship at the time I just mm-hmm. kind of played it quite safe and there was like you know I didn't really get into London like I didn't kind of get into the music scene too much and because I was just kind of like I don't know I just didn't say yes to enough stuff so when I got when I got offered this thing I was like right like this is your opportunity 
like say yes to it and then and I just really made a point of that being my life like say yes to to everything to all the opportunities that come your way and that's basically what I've done since moving here and you know like I, I did the Arcadia thing for like I think it was six months and then um yeah and then I kind of moved on and I've just been doing other things since then but you know I like I didn't really know anyone down here to do music stuff so I remember thinking like I was going to loads of gigs and being like how do I get a gig and then finally like I got one and then you know I just managed to like I just went out enough and then like spoke to enough people that um now I'm like doing loads of gigs like a DJ loads down here started doing girl crush nights like eventually found a venue who were up for like taking a punt on me and like let me do a party uh and yeah so it's just kind of it was more like a little like a sort of challenge for myself like I wanted to see if I could if I could do it in an, in another place and and yeah and I feel proud that I've like I've managed to do that you know um, and it like you say it's an amazing place like the people are so sound and it's got so much culture and like cr- it's such a creative place there's just so much going on um musically and artistically and and everything so it's quite it's it's quite like an inspiring place to be um and the kind of the lgbtq scene down here is really really amazing as well um Mm -hmm. a lot better than edinburgh i feel like there's there's like there's like a really strong scene down here and like loads of people doing like really interesting nights and stuff like that so um that's been really nice to be around and to like contribute to we're on your last song already um and it's queen Bohemian Rhapsody and I was you know uh, stereotypically people would probably put this earlier on in their uh, you know picks and so on so I was quite surprised when I saw this on your track listing um, so uh, please explain why you picked this <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny I was actually a friend of mine the other day was asking what people's most hated songs were and Bohemian Rhapsody came up as like one of the most hated ones alongside uh you know come on Eileen and 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 all that so I suppose in some ways it gets like lumped along with those ones but like I love Queen uh I love Freddie Mercury and like this song is just really special for lots of reasons like it was it was me and my best mate's favorite song and we used to like um like every single birthday that we've ever had like so we've always lived in different places like she was living in New Zealand for a bit and I was in London and she was somewhere else and so like and so but we had this like birthday tradition where we'd like always call each other and serenade the other one with Bohemian Rhapsody and so that's just been happening throughout our our lives I see a little silhouette of a man Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the bandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Figaro. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, sparing his life from this monstrosity. Um, but then because I love the song so much on my um just after my my 30th birthday I got given a, a present that all of my friends had come together to make for me um which was like a video of like so many people I I can't even think how many people are in it now but they'd all recorded themselves singing bits of Bohemian Rhapsody 
um, from like all across the world, just like recorded like little sections of it. Um, and my my mate Jenny basically put it together into a video and called it Bob Hemian Rhapsody, and <laughs> and it was just I like I, I I think it was like when I'd got back from my thirtieth birthday party, and she was like I need to speak to you I've got this thing that I need to give you and she basically like sent it to me and then FaceTimed me and watched my reaction <laughs> it was just like <laughs> I couldn't understand like how it had all come together and but I was just. To remember just being so just falling in love with all of my pals all over again and yeah. now it just it's just such a special song for that reason it reminds me of all of my mates and everyone going to that effort and because it was after that particularly like traumatic time of my life where like I'd gone through this big breakup I'd broken my leg and everything had been really really hard and mm-hmm. I'd just come back to Edinburgh and I and that happened and it was like oh like if like you know just like what an amazing bunch of humans basically um yeah. and so now it's just like anytime I'm feeling down you know if I, I watch that video and it just reminds me how important like my pals are and and you know I've always said like the the two things that get me through life are like pals and tunes and that yeah. that that video like perfectly like encapsulates that for me so yeah Aww. So although it's kind of like an overplayed song, you know, it's uh, it's special. And also like Wayne's World, like, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it's just got lots of <laughs> lots of uh, lots of goodness about it. Um, uh, and and it's just if, you know, what's that, there's like a meme that always kicks about that's like if <laughs> if Bohemian Rhapsody comes on and the person that you're with doesn't start singing along and headbanging like you, you're with the wrong people kind of thing. <laughs> So I, I like that the song has that effect on people, you know. <laughs> um, we're at the end, which is crazy. It goes so quick. Um, what is there anything that you want to kind of plug or promote that you've got coming up? I mean, the girl crush stuff. We're we're. I'm just trying to work out what we can do in the meantime because we had loads of events planned for this year. Um, like we had like a big basement rave planned and we had like stuff planned for Pride. Like we were supposed to be doing our first ever venue at Bristol Pride and now that's like not happening. So like uh, I'm just trying to work out things that we can do um, in the meantime. Um, so I guess just keep an eye on the Girl Crush pages. So so yeah, just keep an eye on that. And then, um, yeah, and like, I don't know, I'm kind of doing like lots of DJing stuff. So like, I guess like my 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 music page, um, I'm always trying like trying to like do little bits and pieces on there. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing in particular to plug. Well, it's been wonderful speaking to you and thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and yeah, it's it's been great catching up. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I hope you uh, you you enjoy just enjoy the right words. I hope you survive the rest of lockdown. All right. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 